Welcome. You are listening to Liberty Solutions Now. On this show, we'll address the topics of natural law, consciousness, mind control, the occult, and everything else that is related to freedom on Earth. Liberty Solutions Now will take a look at what is truly going on around us and within us in order to offer powerful, grassroots solutions to the biggest problems we are experiencing. Now here is your host, Justin Bauman. Welcome to the show. My name is Justin Bauman. This is episode 7 of Liberty Solutions Now. My website is libertysolutionsnow.com. Today is Friday, May 6th, 2022. In the last episode, we listed the seven principles of natural law. We dove more deeply specifically into the law of cause and effect, which goes by many names, which include moral law, karmic law, and the golden rule. We also deeply explored the law of correspondence, which states, as above, so below, and as within, so without. We went over the generative force of fear flowchart, explained it thoroughly conceptually, and provided an example that dealt with the topic of gun control to illustrate the point being made. Fear plus ignorance leads to the centralization of power every single time because people abdicate their own personal responsibility, which leads to a massive power vacuum that evil people can exploit. Once massive centralization of power occurs, the maximum amount of chaos, suffering, and slavery has the opportunity to manifest, and will inevitably manifest. Why? It's because evil seeks power. That is an immutable law in the universe. From the state of fear comes the desire to control. When this desire to control is present, these people seek the path of least resistance to attain power, where they can exercise this control. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you can't beat them, join them? That's what's happening here. Do you really think smart evil people would actually try to go head to head with the government? No, because they don't have to. Once that powerful centralized power structure is in place, they work with the government secretly or within the government to get what they want. Why would they do it any other way? To contrast the generative force of fear flowchart, we then went into the generative force of love flowchart. The final result moving through this flowchart was order and freedom instead of chaos and slavery. In order to get to the result of order and freedom, people need to be a certain way in the world. They must be knowledgeable and they must be courageous. If this is the quality of their beingness, they can move on to step two, which is the acceptance of personal responsibility. When personal responsibility has been accepted, decentralization of power manifests. The people have rightfully claimed all the personal power that belongs to them, so no power vacuum gets created that can be exploited. Having achieved this, good people that do not seek to control can now manifest a world that serves themselves and the rest of the planet at the same time. Let's go back to the law of correspondence. The dysfunction you see occurring in the micro, you will also see occurring on the world stage in the macro. A society ruled by aversions and attachments that lead to money problems, relationship problems, and health problems on a personal level, for example, you can also count on having oppressive, violent, and coercive government institutions and corporations as well. That's the law of correspondence at work. Notice that I didn't say tendency or suggestion or inclination. That is the law of correspondence at work. To wrap up the previous show, 14 different mind control methodologies were listed 
that will be deeply covered in the future. We have obfuscation, which is the deliberate creation of confusion within the target, worldview poisoning, the exploitation of primal fears, divide and conquer, indoctrination, controlled opposition, monetary systems, mass media control, food and medicine, the illusion of time, denial, hassle, and ridicule, religion, subversive symbolism, and false flag attacks. I want to remind everyone that once you conceptually understand these methodologies well enough, you'll begin to see them everywhere, and you'll fail to be influenced by them as much. In fact, you'll be able to see a lot of them coming from a mile away. One last thing I wanted to say before we get into today's topic is that remember that this information is cumulative. You're going to get the most value out of the show if you start at episode one and work your way up until this point. If you continue on from here in the show, starting from this episode, there's going to be concepts in the future that don't make sense to you, and you're not going to get the value you should get out of the show. So if you're just tuning in to this episode, and this is the first time you've discovered the show, I strongly encourage you to go back to episode one and start from there. Okay, with all that being said, let's jump into episode seven. So apparently there's some people that have an issue with using the word knowledge. They think because there's so much we seemingly can't come to know, everything we think we know must be doubted. I'm not talking about fully knowing the mind of God here. If that's the kind of knowledge you're talking about, then yeah, we won't be able to attain that as long as we're incarnate as humans. This isn't what I'm talking about when I use the word knowledge, though. The kind of knowledge I'm talking about is much more practical and much less woo-woo than New Agers make knowledge out to be. What I'm talking about here is acquiring enough of the knowledge necessary to avoid causing unnecessary self-inflicted suffering for ourselves and the rest of the planet. The knowledge I'm talking about is the knowledge necessary to allow humanity to stop hitting itself in the face with a hammer repeatedly over and over again out of fear and ignorance. That understanding can definitively be achieved by humanity. It can be understood as well as understanding that 2 plus 2 equals 4, just like how most of us know how to not drive our cars straight into a wall at 120 miles per hour and get ourselves killed, we could learn how to not cause ourselves unnecessary self-inflicted suffering in other ways through the understanding of the occult and other sciences. To actually believe that you can't confidently call anything knowledge means you're a solipsist. You believe perception is reality. And if perception is reality, there's no such thing as objective truth. And if there's no such thing as objective truth, then you could never come to know anything. Solipsism is an ideology I've been strongly condemning since episode one of this show. It makes you the perfect mind control victim. If you buy into this ideology, there's no saving you. I can't help you, and no one else can help you learn anything. You may as well shut the show off and never read another book again because from that position, personal growth and creating a better life is impossible because learning is impossible as long as you hold on to this belief. Now let's get into the topics for today. There are still a lot of people today that will see the flowchart I created for fear in the last episode and think that the centralization of power isn't a problem because most people aren't psychopaths that are purposely trying to cause harm to others. This is true. 98% of people are not truly psychopathic. The psychopath population is extremely small compared to the rest of the population. The critic of the flowchart will then say that since the vast majority of people aren't psychopaths purposely trying to cause harm, then evil psychopathic agendas can't possibly be getting carried out by large corporations and governments around the world. This is because decent people would refuse to cooperate. Well, that's where you go wrong. 
that is not true for multiple reasons. Just because the vast majority of people aren't purposely criminally psychopathic, that doesn't mean that the few psychopathic individuals that do exist can't successfully see their agenda through by tricking others into cooperating. In fact, that's exactly what's been happening for thousands of years, and probably even longer than that. So how did they do it? Well, they do a lot of things to make it happen. Two ways that they structurally do it within organizations is through compartmentalization and hierarchy. Compartmentalization is the separation of different parts and isolating them into sections. This is done in such a way where the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, so to speak. When an organization is working on completing tasks, each individual part is unaware of what all the other parts are doing. It's kind of like an assembly line. Each person contributes their small piece and they know what they need to know to do their small part, but do not understand how all the pieces fit together to create the finished product. People are put into separate boxes and have blinders on so that they cannot see what people in other boxes are doing. The next technique that's used is called hierarchy. Using hierarchy creates an organization that looks like a pyramid in terms of its structure. At the top, you have the CEO. Below that is upper management, then one level below that is middle management, and at the lowest level are the regular employees. This is what most organizations look like, which include governments and corporations. At every level, employees know just enough about the company's goals and mission in order to do their job competently. At the lowest level, employees know the least about the goals and missions of the company. They just do the grunt work. As you move up the pyramid, each level has more knowledge of what's really going on within the organization because that is what's required in order to get the jobs done they need to get done. It is only a few people, or perhaps even a single person, at the very top of this hierarchical pyramid structure that has the full picture of what's really going on. There's only one reason why psychopaths, and we'll talk about the nature of psychopaths another time, there's only re one reason why they want to create organizations, whether they be companies, corporations, or governments in this way. The reason why is because it keeps people ignorant of what everyone is working collectively towards achieving. It keeps them ignorant to the true intentions of the organization. Most people, in the way they've been conditioned over time, are happy to keep their heads down, not ask any questions, and do whatever they're told as long as they're making money. If these people actually knew what they were a part of, some of them may actually quit and refuse to work in these large organizations. That is why those at the top of the pyramid of power must use ignorance as a tool. What these organizations are essentially doing is rewarding ignorance through the use of the monetary system, and it appears to work for the employee's benefit. That is, until one day, the agenda comes to fruition, and then all of a sudden there is a very high cost to pay for willfully ignorant compliance. So to summarize, hierarchy and compartmentalization are structural tools evil men and women use in their organizations in order to get the shit done they want to get done in society. Most people are fine with working in these types of organizations too because they perceive themselves as benefiting as well. Employees like the fact that they don't have to go through all the work and trouble of acquiring the necessary information about their employer. In their minds, if something bad happens as a result of their actions, then they get to abdicate their personal responsibility and blame their boss for what happened instead. It's a childish mindset, totally disgusting and unacceptable. Everyone is always responsible for their own actions, regardless of what a so-called authority figure tells them. It is true that not all people that are at the top of their company or organization are bad people. There are examples of leaders that are truly looking to do good, but the more you look at the ones that are in bed with government in some way, 
in our large organizations, the less good people you will find there. The same thing goes for government with further up you go in the power structure. Why? First of all, it's because most good people aren't attracted to government positions in general. You're not ever going to see someone like me take a government job, particularly as a politician. And that's not just because I'm an anarchist. Even before I realized I was an anarchist, I still had no interest in a government job because I've never been interested in gaining power to control other people through coercion. Working in government always seemed like a massive pain in the ass with a lot of drama involved. I've always wanted to be left alone to do what I like and fulfill my purpose. It's never been appealing to me to be spending all my time and effort trying to control other people. There are other productive things I'd rather put my time and effort into. Why do the most evil psychopathic people end up being in the highest positions of power? It's because they work for it. They're the only ones that want it badly enough to do whatever it takes to get it. Their compulsion to control is really that strong. That's what being a slave to the polarity of fear that strongly does to someone. When the urges are really that strong, and these people are willing to do whatever it takes to satisfy this urge to feel better, that's when you see massive action. Combine that with the power vacuum that regular people create by not taking the kind of personal responsibility they should in their lives, and you get what we've got today. Contrast how psychopathic people are with the people you know, or any random person you take off the street. Are they really that motivated in their life to do much of anything ambitious? I would argue most of them aren't. They're only interested in floating along and expending the least amount of energy possible to get their needs met. Apart from that, it's all about escapism in their free time. This escapism includes drug use, television, video games, excessive socializing, partying, drinking, etc. And that's their entire life. They do the minimum to get by and then drown their pain in distractions. They're generally apathetic about life in general and their potential. It's not difficult to comprehend who wins in this game of cosmic chess when these two players are pitted against each other. It's the one taking massive focused action that will end up with all the power. And they will control those who are apathetic. Even those with good intentions that take action will still lose out to evil people if these evil people have more knowledge than them about how the game of life works. Obfuscation. To obfuscate is to render obscure, unclear, or unintelligible. The purpose of the mind control method of obfuscation is to create confusion in the victim. What they're aiming to do is to tie people's minds in knots with confusion. They want people to get lost in endless mazes that they can never get out of. They want people stuck in intellectual labyrinths so that their victims can't grasp what is true or false. Because to grasp what is true would mean that someone could apply this knowledge of truth to their own lives through action and create more freedom for themselves and the world at large. That is the last thing these manipulators want. They want people to not know what is true because in this state of mental confusion, they can't take the right actions that would be necessary to free themselves. Manipulators obfuscate the concept or idea that they desire to hide. For example, if you want to use this word in a sentence, you could say, good gets obfuscated with evil or truth gets obfuscated with falsehood. In these two sentences, the manipulator is getting people to confuse good with evil and confuse truth with falsehood. That's what these sentences are saying. 
Obfuscation is such an important mind control methodology for controllers because of the law of mentalism. This law states that unless you are free on the mental plane of existence, you cannot be free on the physical plane of existence. When you cannot distinguish truth from falsehood due to confusion, you are not free on the mental plane. This means that there will be a group of individuals who will get frustrated, give up, and not take any action to truly improve their lives. The other group will do the best they can with the knowledge they have and still take action, but it still won't be enough to create any real lasting positive change. They may even exert phenomenal amounts of willpower, but they will still only end up spinning their wheels and getting nowhere. Then they burn out and may very well fall into apathy at that point. The only way to win is to work through the confusion. Break the mind control by taking in the right information and discover the truth for yourself. These are the most common concepts that mind manipulators love to obfuscate. They obfuscate simplicity with complexity, principle with law, dominion with fear of punishment, knowledge with belief, and good with evil. When dark occultists can obfuscate simplicity with complexity, meaning take simple principles in nature that are easy to understand and make them appear complex and impossible to understand, they've successfully used the technique. When they are successful doing this, the average person thinks to themselves, this stuff is way too complex for me to understand. Why even try? Why even bother? For the person that actually tries to seek the truth, when obfuscation is being used on them, they get led on wild goose chases. They end up getting lost in never-ending mazes and labyrinths of complexity that just aren't helpful. How many times in our lives have you been told, leave it to the experts, trust the experts, trust the science, trust that the experts have your best interests in mind. Evil always tries to create artificially complex ideas to obfuscate the freedom it destroys. And that freedom is found within understanding simple principles. This is done in every field, which includes but is not limited to health, wealth, relationships, reality creation, and spirituality. Let's take health briefly as an example. You don't have to go to medical school and learn a whole bunch of complex science to know how to heal health issues you may have. In fact, in a lot of cases, and quite counterintuitively, these people that go to these schools become less adept at truly healing when compared to those that don't go to medical school. Assuming that medical school is the only sort of education that was obtained. The reality is, if a few basic occulted principles were understood about health, that would be enough to acquire a tremendous ability to heal oneself and others. But occult philosophy hasn't been taught in medical school and will never be taught in medical school. I know this is true because I've personally healed myself of some pretty bad health conditions in the past. More on that in a future show. Let's start this section by reading a paragraph out of the book The End of All Evil by Jeremy Locke. A principle is a truth that creates freedom. A law is a lie that creates slavery. Principles describe reality. Every true thing you've learned is a principle. Laws are artificial ideas created by evil men to restrict the thinking and understanding of people. Laws mask themselves as authority so that they can impersonate principles. When people mistake laws for principles, their freedom is restricted. When people mistake truths for the ideas of authority, their abilities and wisdom are diminished. This is the purpose of law. When Locke says principle here, he's talking about natural, moral law. He's talking about the law put into effect by creation, the creator, the universe, however you want to think about it. When he says law here, he's talking about man's law. 
he's talking about everything within human's legal system that gets written down. There is no such thing as man's law. Realizing this indicates you've broken away from one of the biggest forms of mind control out there. Man's law does not exist in nature. Man's law is a fiction that only exists in the mind. The only reason why it has any relevance and power at all right now is because people believe it does. They adjust their thoughts, emotions, and actions in support of this belief and make man's law happen in the world. There's no power in man's law in and of itself. The real power lies in people. And it's these people's belief in man's law that gives man's law its power. Principles of nature are different. They have power in and of themselves, intrinsically. Principles of nature do not get their power from people. Their power exists independently of people's belief in them, recognition of them, or acceptance of them. The dark occultists obfuscate principles with law. Why? It's because if you believe man's law intrinsically has authority, you will do anything the law dictates you to do without question and with no resistance. You will believe a unique group of people have the right to do something that they actually have no right to do under natural law. A blatant example of this is the right to tax. How is it that I don't have the natural law right to tax my neighbor and my neighbor doesn't have the natural right to tax me, but the government magically has this right to tax me and my neighbor? How is it that a small group of people can give themselves the label government, dress up in special uniforms, and then all of a sudden have a right they didn't previously have before to tax my neighbor and me? How can a large group of people that don't label themselves government, that don't have the natural law right to tax each other, then turn around and give that right, which they don't possess, to another individual that calls themselves government? It doesn't make any sense logically. Most people will then say in response, we can give the government that right if we all agree this is how we'll do things. First of all, no one would pay taxes at all if there was no threat of violence to enforce it. So this isn't how we all agree to do things. Secondly, everyone in the world could agree with me and believe that I'm going to give a cake to my friend. But if I don't actually possess a cake to give to my friend, objectively in reality, I am actually not giving a cake to my friend. My belief and everyone else's belief that I gave a cake to my friend would be a false according to objective truth. The belief in pretending that it happened is ultimately irrelevant in reality because my friend would actually never get to enjoy a cake that I gave him. This is exactly what people are doing when they try to give rights to government that they themselves don't have. It can't be done. And to prove it can't be done, the creator, universe, source, God, or whatever, will ensure negative consequences will be experienced under natural law for attempting to do this. See, you can believe that you're giving rights to government for the sake of creating positive outcomes in the world, but because you don't actually have the rights under natural law, you will not experience positive outcomes. You will ultimately experience very negative outcomes as a result of your fear and ignorance every single time. No, this is not different. It's not different this time. It's exactly the same this time. Doing this only leads to one place. Even more chaos and slavery is what you will get, just like every other time in the past. Also, if you put man's law above natural law, instead of using natural law to protect yourself against tyranny, you'll blindly trust man's law and the court system to do it all instead. If individuals do nothing to bulletproof their lives against tyranny using natural law principles, and instead cave into laziness and apathy, then that makes them very easy prey for the ruling class. 
the bulk of humanity understanding and applying natural law makes all of man's laws totally irrelevant very quickly. See, if people really understood natural moral law, they would be educating as many people as they could as quickly as possible. If the effort was successful, the effect would be justice becoming decentralized. This is what the ruling class dreads happening the most. They want remedy under law to remain centralized. They want to keep that power within the hands of a handful of judges, preferably ones they control. When this is the case, they have the ability to influence these judges to rule in favor of authoritarianism when given the opportunity. This allows the elites to maintain and expand their power. If Remedy was decentralized, smaller groups of people would take care of their own shit as far as punishment and justice goes, and then they would be all be on the same page. Because they would understand natural moral law that is built into the very fabric of reality itself, in this world of decentralized justice, authoritarians can't act like authoritarians anymore without severe negative consequences. They'd be cast out of the group or killed, and they should be if they can't be rehabilitated. Dominion is simply self-mastery. It is an internal state of monarchy. It is a state of you being in full control of yourself so that you cannot be ruled by others. This internal monarchy on a mass scale creates the condition of external anarchy in the outside world. External anarchy is what freedom is. This is always the case. It always works this way. Also, anarchy doesn't mean chaos or no rules. It means no rulers. It's freedom. It comes from the Greek prefix an, meaning without, the absence of, and the Greek noun archon, meaning master, ruler. It literally means without rulers, without masters. Out of this self-mastery comes the understanding of natural law because you no longer dwell in ignorance. Instead, you dwell in the protection of wisdom. From this understanding, one conducts themselves in a moral way and avoids immoral behavior. They do not conduct themselves morally out of fear. Instead, they willingly choose to do it because they've recognized that it's the right thing to do. And I've also recognized that this is what will best serve them and others. Really notice that I said it will best serve them and others. It's not a matter of putting themselves over others or others above themselves. They conduct themselves morally and respect others' rights, not from the polarity of fear, but from the polarity of love. This is important to note. So why obfuscate dominion with the fear of punishment? It keeps well-intentioned people working within government and outside of government from ever addressing the root causes of the biggest issues. This ensures good people spin their wheels going nowhere, while evil people get to keep their power to control through coercion. When good, well-intentioned people fail to recognize dominion as being a state that is possible for people to achieve, they think the only way to create order and prevent chaos is to use the fear of punishment by using control. They are incorrect about this because they are stuck operating in the realm of effects where they cannot influence any meaningful change. It is only in the realm of causality that change can be influenced. To get to the realm of cause, dominion must first be acknowledged as a thing existing in nature, and then one must understand what creates the condition of dominion. Otherwise, as long as the root causes go unaddressed, you're playing a game of whack-a-mole trying to keep everything orderly and under control. As soon as you hit one down, five more will pop up. Using enough force and manpower 
to compel moral behavior in the realm of effects can produce some positive short-term results and some apparent victories, but it will never create positive, long-term, lasting change. You don't create the change you want to see through control in the realm of effects. Instead, you address the root causal factors by breaking the mind control and educating those that can be rehabilitated. This aids them in the process of achieving dominion, which means they now respect themselves and others enough to act morally in the world. Once enough people go through this process, there is no need for control to get any positive results in the world. To recap, what controllers try to do is take dominion and obfuscate it with the fear of punishment. Why? It'll keep those trying to change the world for the better operating in the realm of effects instead of the realm of cause. It'll essentially keep them powerless to change anything. Why do people think the fear of punishment is the only way to create order? So the controllers obfuscate dominion by making people think that humanity is bad or evil by its very nature. They make people think that everyone is born into sin and cannot possibly redeem themselves on their own. This gets well-intentioned people to mistakenly think they have to use the fear of punishment through government institutions to prevent the manifestation of chaos. Having been brought up as a Christian myself, I really believed in the past that the people that did bad things were just bad by their very nature. I didn't understand what I do now. I didn't understand that the overwhelming majority of the time, 99% of the time, it is the individual's conditioning that has turned him or her into what they are, and not their human nature itself. Human beings are essentially born a blank slate. They're like a new computer that could be programmed into doing whatever you want it to do. Outside of the situation where some people are born psychopaths due to genetic reasons, which we'll refer to as being primary psychopaths, the vast majority of children do not come into this world evil. Nurture is way more important than nature could ever be in almost every case. The movie Trading Places is a great movie to understand what I'm saying. This proves there are root causal factors that can be looked at when we want to address the problem of evil in the world. This means we can create change in the realm of cause. It is the only way to get positive results. The problem is that so many people still think there's an easy fix for maintaining order and keeping evil from running rampant in the world unchecked. They misunderstand different human motivations that compel evil acts. They don't understand the nature of evil, and they don't understand that there are different kinds of evil that need to be understood and guarded against. If you want to create order, it's not just about creating the fear of punishment in people so that they do not do acts of evil. Addressing the problem of evil goes much deeper. Much, much deeper. It also has to do with people's attitudes towards themselves. It has to do with how they feel about themselves. It has to do with whether they love themselves or not. If you can get people to deeply hate themselves, uh, threaten them with punishment all you like, it won't stop a lot of them from committing crimes no matter what the consequences are. The story of Elliot Roger in episode 3 of the show demonstrated this. He knew if the police caught him, he'd go to jail. He knew he'd be getting into a shootout with the police, and he did it anyway. So much for the fear of punishment working on him. To understand root causal factors is to understand what formed him into the person he ended up becoming. Then from there, the goal is to prevent the environmental conditions, both internal and external, from occurring that ended up creating the evil that expressed itself through mass murder in this case. There's no shortcut around this. This must be understood if you wish to see order. 
So there's the Elliot Roger kind of evil, then there's a different kind of evil that is more strategic. It plays cosmic chess with those it's trying to victimize by using fear and ignorance against them. We'll talk about the nature of evil and the different types of it another time. Next, controllers obfuscate knowledge with belief. They get humanity to value belief over knowledge. One of the ways this is done is by convincing them that knowledge can't actually ever be attained. This is the role that the solipsism ideology plays that they promote. For those they can't get to buy into that crock of shit, they attempt to convince them that there are certain topics that are impossible to acquire knowledge in to create positive change. This is done with spiritual truths through the use of traditional cultural religions. They hide the occult knowledge that are the foundation of these traditional religions and give people beliefs instead. They take the true science of morality inherent within the universe and through the ridiculousness of these religions try to get people to think that morality is just a matter of opinion and ultimately isn't of that much value. People then think religion and spirituality are ridiculous. They throw the baby out with the bathwater and become atheist moral relativists. They keep some of the truth in these religions but they throw in a whole bunch of bullshit in there with it. I call this the poison pill technique. They use a poison pill that has a tasty sugary coating to entice people to take the pill, but on the inside lies a deadly poison. They're using religion as a poison pill here. They're attracting you by giving you a little bit of truth so that you'll be willing to listen and then piling on the bullshit on top of that as quickly as they can. They're able to successfully do this because instead of encouraging discernment, when examining information to sort out the truth from the falsehood and everything, they're getting individuals to accept an entire religion as being true as a packaged belief system. Manipulators are willing to let people swallow some truths as long as they swallow all of the poison they're offering in addition to it. Discernment is so important. It's a concept we'll be visiting repeatedly as we move forward. Good is obfuscated with evil. What is moral is made out to be evil, and what is evil is made out to be moral. Misunderstanding natural law like this, and then behaving in a way that violates it, ensures that a system of slavery stays in place. This is done through culture. Culture obfuscates one's sense of morality and protects existing power structures. Terence McKenna, an American mystic in the 20th century, once said, Culture is not your friend, it's your cult. Government itself is based entirely on evil. This is because governments are based on control, and the desire to control comes from a place of fear. Manifesting from a place of fear will only ever bring about suffering and chaos sooner or later. Despite this, government is claimed to have been created for the good of the people. It's claimed that it was created to protect them. Government is claimed to be a good thing. It is not a good thing. It is the opposite of good. It is evil because it creates from the polarity of fear. Never mind the fact that it means mind control when you break it down in Latin. On the other hand, not paying taxes and protests to not help fund a foreign war of aggression, for example, is framed as being evil by the government and a lot of people in society. They believe no matter what government does, no matter how obscenely it behaves, you still always have the moral obligation to pay taxes. The truth is, even if the government only ever did good things with the money it collected, which it doesn't, you still have no obligation to pay taxes to it under natural law. Just like how you have no moral obligation to give up a percentage of the fruits of your labor to your neighbor if he demanded it. 
To finish up the show, here's a video from Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com. In it, Mark shows a clip taken from a U.S. senator trying to justify the acts of violence government takes by claiming it has special rights other individuals and groups of individuals do not. Cult belief number three of the cult of ultimate evil, the order followers of this world, government is our god. This supernatural entity that can grant rights or revoke rights. It can determine morality based upon its whim, the legislative stroke of a pen. I can write something down and I can make it moral. I could say the next day, oh no, we were wrong about that. That's prohibited now. Now it's immoral and you could be punished for doing it. I mean, if you believe this, folks, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's a naive child's mentality, which is what ultimately all these people are. They're people who have never grown up, and they have mommy and daddy issues, as we're going to come to soon. They have parental abandonment issues going on psychologically, whether they are even aware of them or not. I'm going to play a video about the cult of statism, the cult of the belief in government authority. Okay, Just listen to the complete contradiction that you're about to hear from a former United States senator. Let me see if I understand your position. It basically, would you say that it's wrong for the citizens to initiate physical force against other citizens like an armed robber does? Unless we they, permit but that it's okay by law. For the, it's okay for the government to do so. Because the government has been authorized by the people. Okay, but if the government authorized armed robbers to do it, it would be okay? If the government is that foolish to do so, I don't know what kind of country that would be, but uh, that's legal, and if it's constitutional, so be it. Okay, so you think that it's wrong for a citizen, an individual citizen, to initiate force against others to deprive them of their property, but it's okay for the government to do it if the it's majority not, has it elected is, it is that government. Okay, it is okay if the government is authorized to do so. The government is authorized to levy taxes, and the authorization comes from the people. Do the individual citizens have the right to initiate physical force against other citizens that have not initiated or threatened to initiate force against anybody and haven't violated anybody's property rights? They cannot do that because they are not authorized to do so under the right. law. So individual citizens don't have that right. If they don't have the right to initiate physical force against other citizens, could they have properly delegated that right to the government? Oh, yes. They do so right now. Can you properly delegate a right that you do not have? You can give the right to their representatives to make laws that will authorize or make prohibitive certain activities. So you think that you can oh, delegate absolutely. a right that you don't have? You can properly delegate a right that you don't have? You cannot tax your neighbor, but you can authorize me as your senator to vote for a program that will tax your neighbor. Okay, so if you can, you say that a person can properly delegate a right that they do not have, is that correct? Yes. Okay, well, would, I don't have the right torture. to use, I don't have the right to use your home in Hawaii, right? But could I delegate that right to some of my friends? No way. Right, so you really can't delegate a right that you don't have. You have to have the right in order to delegate We're it, right? We're talking about the government here. Right. But you agreed that the individuals do not have but the you, right. You can authorize the government. Right. But did to you agree? Take over my residence. Okay. But did you did, did you agree that the individuals did not have the right 
to initiate force against the other individuals. They don't have that right. No. So then, some people think they do. Then they could not have delegated that right if they didn't have it. They would delegate authority to us, their representatives, to make laws in their best interest. So even if they don't have the right, they can delegate it to somebody else. To make laws that might right. do that. So then you think that you can actually delegate a right that you do not have. And the individuals do not have the right to initiate force against others. As, I would in, suppose, as individuals. Well, if they get together, then all of a sudden they have the right? If they authorize the government to do so, yes. Well, if, if, if nobody... If they authorize the government to enter into a war and kill people, that's a right. I, I, it seems like there's a contradiction there as far as if you say that all legitimate governmental power is derived from the people, you agree that the individual citizens do not have the right to initiate force against other citizens, then it would seem clear that I they cannot we'll just, delegate that right it, to the why government. Why don't we just leave it this way? We disagree. <laughs> Why don't we just leave it at this? I'm in a cult and government is my god. So the point of this video is to get you to see that you have no moral obligation to listen to anything government institutions tell you to do. None of what they do can even be defended logically. As you can see, they don't get this authority that they claim to have from anywhere. These institutions just claim to have the authority, and people go along with it. In reality, government is just a label. It doesn't grant anyone any additional rights under natural law. Government is just a label that's being used intended to replace God. It's intended to replace natural law. That wraps up the brief introduction to the first mind control methodology, obfuscation. That's one down and many more to go. My name is Justin Bauman. You've been listening to Liberty Solutions Now. My website is libertysolutionsnow.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this content if you find it valuable. Thanks for listening.